The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are here. uh, Got a bunch of interesting stories to talk about today. Nothing too big. Uh, Probably the biggest one being the Evander Kane injury. Um, There's a there's a question about who Boston's best goaltender is. Um, wait, wait, wait. There's a question about it. Okay. We're going to have to dive into that one. I, yeah, I, and I'm probably going to tell you that you're wrong. Really? Really? I know you enjoy telling me that I'm wrong, but I can't see how I lose this argument. All right. Well, because it's easy. Uh, going to talk about a humane player who probably will fit in in Boston. Um, there's a there was a PHF uh, coach suspension. Um, Matthew Kachuk, and a little whole lot and a whole lot more. Where do we want to go first? Uh, shall we? Oh wow! I oh and the power rankings. There's just so much fun. Oh yes, the power rankings. We'll have to we'll have to do that in the meet. Should we fought, should we should we touch up on Evander Kane first and give an up? Not that there's much of an update, but no. Uh yeah, we'll start with Evander Kane. Um, this this story, of course, has multiple aspects. As dude is a lightning rod. Um, yeah, I, unfortunately, he is a, he is a he is a polarizing figure. Uh, and it sounds like it honestly, uh, the more I see of his situation, um, the more I'm, the more, the stronger the comparison to a certain Hollywood, uh, former couple. Okay. I mean, it was to start off with. It was a horrifying incident. It happened on two, uh, last Tuesday. Uh, they were playing. Was it Toronto? Yes, Toronto. No, Tampa Bay. Excuse me. Lightning bolts. Tampa Bay. And he ended up down on the ice. Player going by, cut his wrist with the skate. Blood everywhere. He immediately goes off to the dressing room and thank you to all of the trainers and, and medical staff on, at, at, on, on these organizations. They it, it, it's amazing how quickly they have to react sometimes. Uh, the big thing here is that he did. They were able to repair the damage. Um, he's on the mend. And uh, he is out, said to be out three to four months. Three to four months. Uh, he tweeted out a thank you to uh, the medical staff on both teams. Um, he tweeted out, it, you know, his appreciation for playing and, uh, and his teammates. And in the same day, his ex starts sharing a whole bunch of nonsense. And it's just... I just, it's so classless. 
I just don't okay I, even if you even even if you're you're going through messy you go through messy divorce you don't get along you you have issues with the person's behavior how you can come out and and just be happy that somebody got hurt is beyond me I I, I, I understand I, there's I know it was speculated I don't like doing the speculation thing but there's got to be some sort of a, a mental illness involved here I, I don't get it the things that she tried to do to him when they were as far as re- reporting to the NHL and, and, and now all sorts of stuff that couldn't be proved it and I'm believe me I'm not nominating Evander Kane for sainthood I don't believe in it but this feels more and more like Amber Heard and Johnny Depp every time she does something. Yes. It, it just stop. You're separate. Go on with living your life. There are all sorts of things that you can do to live a, an above average lifestyle. Just go do it. If he made you so miserable, just put him out of your mind and get on with life. But, you know, in an, in an odd sort of twist, she's actually getting what she wants. And unfortunately, we're helping uh, move that along because we're talking about her. And that's what I get the impression this is all about, is that somehow she has to insert herself into the story. You could well be right, and that may be the whole – maybe she wanted to be the famous one in the relationship, and where she wasn't getting that, uh, she decided that she was going to make herself famous one way or another. Unfortunately. But the big thing here is, yes, that Kane is better – He's on the mend. He got the surgery. They got everything taken care of right away. And I, I for one, can't wait for him to get back to the NHL. Because three or four months mean, I mean, four months at this point. uh, So that's the end of March, uh, which means he should, should have time to warm back up uh, and get back into For, for the playoff run. In for the playoff run, assuming Edmonton manages to acquire a playoff spot and hold on to it. I believe they are currently in a playoff spot, as topsy-turvy as the standings are when you have the New Jersey Devils in first place and and certain teams that you would expect to see in the playoffs. Not, but okay. But we wish him nothing but the best. Uh, speedy recovery. Speedy, complete recovery. Yes. I mean, if you look at, I mean, if you look at what the Bruins have gone through with their three players being injured and the fact that they've all come back early, it's. I realize it's a different scenario because they had off-season surgery, but to get them back into game-ready shape and 100% shape ahead of schedule. Uh, the things that they can do nowadays as far as rehabbing is just uh, medically amazing. So 
yes, speedy 100% recovery because I, for one, want to see him in the NHL. Absolutely. As of right now, uh, heading into at, before any of the action starts on 11-13, um, the Oilers are two points up uh, or three points up on Minnesota for the uh, end in the uh, first wild card spot, but only but also only three points up on the Chicago Blackhawks, um, both and both of those teams, as well as the Calgary Flames have played less games. Uh, the West, the West makes my head hurt. Like looking at the Western conference just makes my head hurt. Um, Calgary's not in the playoffs currently. Calgary's not in the playoffs currently. Nashville's not in the playoffs currently. And St. Louis is, uh, battling with Anaheim for number 32. Yeah, they're 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 running for that big, fantastic, uh, earth-shattering kaboom, like straight for it, homing pigeons. Which I don't understand. They just gave Cairo and Robert Thomas big contracts starting next year, and they've got some youth. They've still got Tarasenko, who can supposedly can put the puck in the net. Ryan O'Reilly is on the last year of his deal uh, as one of the best 200-foot players in the game. They have Krug and Pareko. They have a a, you know, a solid have you defense. Seen their goaltending. I was getting there. I mean, <laughs> when you trade away the better of the two goaltenders, I guess you kind of get what you deserve. They do not have a goaltender. Wait, did they trade him? Did really was really Huso a trade? I think it was a trade. Don't no, it really doesn't matter because doesn't the matter. two goaltenders that they have. Each have a save percentage <laughs> under 900. Yes. The last time that was acceptable in the NHL, I don't believe that any of the players in the NHL were actually playing uh, because that was well before the year 2000. Agreed. By like 2000, you ex- you were expected to have a 905, 907 save percentage. And it's almost 2023 old players like Patrice Bergeron and uh, might barely remember looking at the stats in the newspaper uh, way, way, way back then and seeing, you know, top 10 goaltenders who had an 899 or 898 save percentage. Uh, But nah, no, you can't do that these days. Uh. So it was a trade because the guy that they traded away is going to drag Detroit kicking and screaming with his 2.54 goals against and his 920 save percentage on the Detroit Red Wings. He was traded from the Blues for a third round pick um, on my birthday, nonetheless. Uh, That pick turned out to be somebody named Alec. Alex Santeri Kaskimak. Kaskimaki. Okay. I don't think Mr. Alex Santeri has played in the NHL yet, so we can't really say whether they won or lost that trade. But when you trade away the one guy who actually has an above 900 save percentage, the guy who was the better of your two goaltenders last season, oops. 
I don't know well, what else to say, but there's oops. also the whole they're scoring. I mean, it just comes down to they're scoring less than they're giving up. That's not a winning formula. No. Uh, I mean, they're giving up. Let's see. They're giving up three point fifteen, three point eighteen a game. Um. Yeah, they're three point six nine a game, and they're scoring two point three eight. That's mathematically, that's not good. Yeah, that's that's not that's not conducive to winning. Uh, I'm uh, given those numbers. I'm amazed they even have five wins. Um, and the two point three eight. Uh, you know, we looking looking at uh, Wyshynski's power rankings and comparisons to where uh, they were expected to be in the beginning of the season or mm-hmm. the preseason. Okay. Uh, from the article, St. Louis Blues are playing like a team that has lost its identity, lost its swagger, and perhaps most of all, lost its goal-scoring prowess. Owning this, owning the league's worst offense. Chris? The league's worst offense. Chris? Yes? Can you uh, set the Wayback Machine for 2019? Um, it's kind of a sad time because... We should have had our I know second. It's a sad time because we had a coach without a system, but and we'll get to that later. <laughs> Foreshadowing, love it. But um, can you pull up those? Can you uh, pull up those memories of the standings from that time? Did the St. Louis Blues have a have a great offense that year? Uh, no, if I remember correctly, they were actually. Out of a playoff spot, they were kind of terrible. They replaced their coach in January and brought in Barubi. They brought in Barubi. Their goaltender of record was someone none of us remember. And Bennington came in in January or late December, had a legitimate miracle run because he's never reproduced anything like it. True. Looking back at their offense from that year, regular season, 2.98 per game. That's it. That, like, that's it. 2.98. Nothing spectacular that put them 15th in the league out of then 30 teams. At the time. Dead, or 31 teams, I'm sorry. Dead average. Yeah. Literally dead average. At the time, they had a guy named Petrangelo on the blue line, though. That does help, and their defense at the time was noticeably better. Uh, They were, in the regular season, 27th, least uh, scored against, so only four teams better. Um, 2.68 goals against average, and surprise, surprise, they won some games in the regular season after they figured out what what the heck they were doing. Yes. But even... Even in the playoffs, they were at a 2.88 goals against uh, goals for, so still pretty average. 
I mean, it is it, it is tougher to score in the playoffs. I mean, I'm it is not tougher surprised. to score in the playoffs, but because you're playing you're playing higher caliber defenses and higher caliber goaltending, supposedly. And teams who are actually, in theory, prepared for you. Yes. So yeah, it is tougher to score. I understand that you might not see a whole lot of teams that are. But three they were plus never spectacular. No, they weren't. And they didn't really have a goal scoring prowess to lose. This is all about their their goaltending and their defense. Their goaltending and defense as a that back end unit is terrible. And it doesn't look like some of their forwards are helping out because Jordan Cairo's a minus 13, one of the worst on the team and he plays a bunch of minutes. Oh yeah. You can't you can't win when your best players don't play winning hockey. Write that down, everyone, because it's profound. <laughs> I mean, are we talking about are we talking about a situation where and and I don't. I mean, they're and professionals. I'm not, so I'm, I'm not, not blaming Jordan Cairo for everything wrong with this team. No, neither am I. Tender. Neither am I. But when when you suddenly get paid, when you suddenly get that massive contract, which a doesn't kick in till next year, but both him and Robert Thomas. Matching contracts, they're going from 2.8 to 8.125 mil per year. When you suddenly get that contract, and it's human nature. I'm not just blaming these two guys, but in general, most players in sport, when they get that contract, they seem to relax a little. Like, they've made it. They, you know... they, They seem to... I'm not saying they take the whole time off, but they just seem to relax a little bit. And I'm, I'm just wondering sure if they got a little though. bit. Of, I'm just wondering if they got a little bit of a hangover here. I mean, Robert Thomas is fourth on the team in scoring behind Shen, Falk, and Tarasenko in that order. Okay. Um, he's at .69 per game uh, points per game. Last season, in that uh, in that last season, 77 points in 72 games. Pretty much undoubtedly a career year. But if you look overall at his numbers, he's still above. He's still above. He's still he's right around what he had in that 1920 season, above what he had in the 1819 season and definitely above what he had in the 2021 season. Um, Jordan Cairo, he's a little bit lower. He's under half a point per game. Um, his shooting percentage is a 9.5 this year, which again, not spectacular. Um, he had 75 points in 74 games last year, but you look at his other seasons and he's not far off. Like his, uh, his 2021 campaign, he played in 55 games. He had 35 points. That's very slightly above where he is this year. Okay. But guess what? The defense behind him is worse, which means getting the puck out of the zone takes a little more effort, takes a little more time, and over games that adds up to less time in the offensive zone. Now, something that needs to be looked at on this team is faceoffs. Kairou, not having a great year. 
and neither is Braden Shen. Um, Braden no. Shen is under 40% for face offs. That uh, I am oh, not the that. world's foremost mathematician. That is not good. I don't think it requires math to know that that's not good. I mean, you're basically giving you the other team is basically getting possession of the puck better, uh, you know, better than six times out of ten every time he's taking a face off. That's not good. Which is why I mean, Ryan O'Reilly is barely at fifty one point eight percent. That's low for him. Yes. Um. Nolachari, who is not playing a great amount of ice time at 1239, is at 59.2%. That's bloody amazing. Um, Robert Thomas, who actually has the most faceoffs on the team, is at 59.7%. So Thomas is doing his part. I think that this is, in some, in some ways, this is also a structure issue because your wingers help win faceoffs. Yes, the center has the has 70% of the responsibility for that faceoff, but the wingers do contribute. And well, I do. if it's a, if it's a if it's a if it's a, a contested faceoff, the winger generally comes in, dives in, pulls the puck out or can slap it away or whatever. so yes, wingers do play a part, I agree. I'm just wondering <laughs> I know we talked about head coaches on the seat last week, and we did not mention Barubi. Is he on the seat? Is this a is this something that can be fixed easily? Is this I, I think is this, still Doug, look, is this a Doug Armstrong issue? I think you still have to look at the defense and the goaltending first. I mean, their goaltending. There's no well, way around. Their goaltending is bad, 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 bad. As I said, Doug Armstrong issue, keeping the wrong. I, but I don't know that you can. I, I don't know that you can dump Doug Armstrong just for this. And I'm not saying it would be just for this. Um, but they, after, since they've lost Petrangelo, they have done. They do not have a. I'm, I'm sorry. I I love Tory Krug. He played here. In my, I love Colton Pareko. I'm huge Pareko fan. Always have been more so than you. Big body can hit, can score. It, they don't, don't have. have they don't have a Petrangelo. They have done nothing to replace him since they since they lost him in free agency or traded, lost him free agency to Vegas. Yeah. They there's not there's nobody here that is going to step into. Pareko is probably your closest. I. I I don't disagree in any way. Um, they That's do have some issues. A Doug Armstrong issue and not just with warm bodies issue. on. Well, not so warm bodies on long term injured reserve. You've got Scandella there. You've got uh, Scott Peronovich. Um, you've got Bertuzzo and Brown on regular injured reserve. Okay, Perunovich uh, doesn't Perunovich doesn't move the needle. Marco Scandella, yeah. it, Marco Scandella is 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 a miss. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, they do need to do something with this non-defense. Bortuzzo played against the Bruins. Did he just go on defense? 
I mean, just go on the injured reserve. He played in the Bruins game. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. But you look at this Blues team and you can't like I can't escape how bad their goaltending is. Yes, I will go with that. <laughs> like, I've never been a Bennington fan, and that's a contract they're going to have to eat because I can't imagine anyone taking him. They got another three years at six million per four years. In the, four years. Oh, it's four years. OK, I thought it was three um, four years at six million per. If he doesn't improve his numbers, yeah, they're eating that money. He doesn't even have to have a 925 season, which in a full season, you know, 45 plus games he's never had. It would nice to it would be nice to see him get it between 905 and 910 though. At least then he's movable. Like if he could get back up to 910, that would be what he had in the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. In 42 games, I I really can't imagine him getting back to that cup run, nine nine twenty seven, and he only had a nine fourteen save percentage in that playoff run. That tells you how low the bar for him was. That everyone was going wild over how great he was playing. Yes, it wasn't. It it wasn't stellar. It was certainly not Tim Thomas esque. Or Jonathan Quick, or or Johnny Quick, yeah, anyone. It might have been better than Osgood. I I threw that in there because I knew you'd like that. But. Um, <laughs> for me, if you can't find a goaltender, you need to find a shutdown defenseman. Yes. And maybe, maybe, maybe. This is where Dominic Tiano's tweet uh, comes in. Uh, I knew you were going to throw this at me. Last night, Dominic Tiano, who I genuinely like, made a tweet that Chris got really upset about. It was sort of cute before we watched uh, Wakanda Forever. Um. Dominic Tiano's tweet, would NHL Bruins entertain the thought of trading Derek Forbert? Now, Derek no. Forbert is, is currently on the injured reserve, which makes it harder to move him. But my answer to this one, knowing the way that injuries work and knowing the way and knowing that inevitably you're going to lose more defensemen. Uh, it's just a fact of life in the NHL is that if it's not bringing back a replacement one or two C um, or not bringing back a high first round pick in this year's draft, they shouldn't consider it because he's playing that he's been, he had played that well this year. Mm-hmm. Now this isn't to say that Dominic thinks this is a good idea, um, that said, why can't we trade them, Mike Riley? That said, if mm-hmm. if St. Louis were willing to pony up their first round pick for Derek Forbert or Brandon Carlo, uh, 
Doug Armstrong might might have to start writing his resume, but if he's going to pony up a first round pick, look, given where they're fee, uh, fixing to land this year, he might have to start writing his resume anyways. Attempting to do something genuine generally looks better than attempting than absolutely doing nothing. Yes, but if you're going to finish as poorly as they look like, the, and, and I'm not saying in 2019, they were one of the worst teams in the league. They turned it around. But as poorly as they look right now, that first round pick looks better and better. If he's to turn around and deal it away for a Derek Forbort, I don't know how much the St. Louis fans are going to accept that. All comes down to what happens after that. Because if they, go on a, if they go on a nice five, seven game win streak, that, that makes up a lot of ground in the standings. And no, I don't want to see Derek Forward traded. Sorry. Uh-uh. Oh, I, look, you heard my standard for trading him right now. And ordinarily, I don't think it's that high. But given how well he played this season, I'm not parting with him for a bag of trinkets. There will be no trades for half a stick of gum and and three warm pucks. They might try to trade us Bennington. <laughs> I mean, it would be better than having Tuka Rask resign, but... Oh! Yeah, thanks. We already got a decent goaltender in net now. Yeah. Oh wait, one. You're you're right. In, um, in the league. This, so so Tiano, are we going with Tiano on the? I I. You're right. He didn't specify whether he thought this was a good idea, but if you're bringing it up, it. No no no. If you're bringing it up, you want to discuss it. Okay. I'll give him a pass on this one for now, but I'm not happy. I, I'm not happy with the suggestion. Um, and that's where I'll end it. <laughs> but that does bring up a point that, you know, jokingly, oh, he might, they might trade us Bennington. Obviously, we're not going to take him. We've got Swayman, who's hurt. We've got Omar. Omar is, what, the best goaltender in the NHL right now? If not, certainly in the top three. Because they got that rookie kid out in Vegas who I think if, is he plays, ridiculous. if he plays this way for another week or two, he's pretty much someone up rookie of the year. Uh, pretty much. I think it, he. I don't even think he has to play this way the rest of the season. I think if he can make it to like the all-star game, people are going to stop looking at all anyone else. Yeah. I'd be inclined to agree on that one. But am I right? Is Omar the best goaltender in the NHL? Is I he the best? Yeah, I will say that he's at based on pure performance right now. He is not the best goaltender in Boston. Not the best goalie in Boston. See, this is the argument we were talking. We were pushing. So, how is he not the best goaltender in Boston? Look at his numbers. Because Corey Schroeder is the best goaltender in Boston. 
Corrine Schroeder, the best goaltender you've never heard of. I've heard of her because I like the Boston Pride. Ah, Corrine Schroeder. So what has Corrine Schroeder done that puts her in the argument, in the discussion for best goaltender in Boston? Well, let's see. She played 91 games over four seasons for the Terriers with a Mm -hmm. 925 career save percentage. That's a little tiny bit higher than someone else's career save percentage. He's he's working on it, unless you're talking about Tuca, in which case, no, he can't work on it anymore. uh, All sorts of Hockey East all-star accolades. um, Completed a graduate graduate season in the 21-22 year over at Quinnipiac, where a certain defenseman we will talk about a tiny bit later uh, attended school. And she and the Boston Pride have opened up the season undefeated, two games, two shutouts, 63 saves between the games, 120 minutes on the ice, and the Boston Pride are leading the PHF again. 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 So they've already won back-to-back Isabel Cups. And they've already won the most Isabel Cups in league history. Okay. Uh, I don't know if she was in net for all of them, but okay. No, but (laughs) right now, today, Corrine is absolutely the best goaltender in Boston. Statistically speaking, that's generally how we decide these things. Yes, go ahead. She's only played two games. Whereas Omar has played 10 games. Wait, let me pull up my stats on your schedule. I'm sorry. He's played in 12 games. How many shutouts does he have in that time? One. So one in twelve versus two and two for shutouts. That's that's not a good argument for you. He has a one point nine five goals against. Hers is zero point zero. He has a nine thirty six save percentage. Hers is a hundred is hers is a hundred percent. He's faced three hundred and forty two shots. So roughly the same number of shots per game. Go ahead. Wait, 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 wait. Where do you get roughly the same? They both made. Well, you said three hundred and thirty-four shots against. He's got three. He's got three hundred forty-two shots against. Yes, in twelve games. And that's not actually. It should actually eleven games because the. He had 11 starts. One game he came in in relief of, of Swayman. Actually, so he's facing less shots per game. Keep going. And he's got total time on ice of 675 minutes and 32 seconds. Yeah, and you can only play the schedule on, uh, in front of you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when she gets to 675 minutes and 32 seconds... Then we can She'll compare. still be the best goaltender in Boston. Ah. Uh, not taking anything away from her. 
Except you just spent the last five minutes doing that. But go ahead. Somebody has to argue for the other side. There is no other side. What? <laughs> Best in Boston. I'm writing it down, so that should make you happy. I mean, just like I don't necessarily like it that Brittany Howard is the best forward in the PHF at the moment. But? She's got the most goals. She's got the most points. And she doesn't play for the Boston Pride. No. She plays for the Toronto Six. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I thought. And Angelica Diffendel is probably the best playmaker at this point with three assists uh, through her two games for the Buffalo Buttes. Mm-hmm. And, yep, that Brittany Howard uh, character is uh, two points per game through uh, the early goings of the season. So, just a quick little PSA, though. Since the fact that we can have a discussion like this, right, wrong, indifferent, fine, I'm wrong, you're wrong, I'm whatever – The fact that we can have a discussion like this should be some kind of clue as to the level of talent in the PHF and that people need to actually start watching PHF games. The PHF is on ESPN Plus. If you don't have a package that allows you to get it. It's because you don't want it. I understand budgets, but as streaming services go, ESPN Plus, even all by itself, isn't particularly high. If you're a hockey fan, a sports fan, a women's sports fan, um, it, it, it's really, really, really kind of hard to uh, kind of hard to argue that there's just no. No way to see games. Yeah, this is definitely hockey worth watching. Need to get out and see it. Need to get out and watch it. Need to watch it on TV. Need to pay more attention to it. Go to a game. We can have have this kind of discourse about who's the best goaltender in in Boston. Uh, Yeah, then there's something there. Where there's smoke, there's flame. I don't know how else to say it. It needs to be. And yes, marketing needs to be better. We've talked about this. But but. the NHL is terrible at marketing. They're barely getting to average. They've been terrible for most of our lives. Okay, all of our lives. Okay, all of our lives. Okay, fair enough. Um, One other quick uh, note about PHF. Uh, This week, uh, Toronto Six head coach Geraldine Haney uh, served a one-game suspension on November 6th. Uh, This was for exceeding the roster limit of 20 active players by dressing 21 for the game November 5th against Minnesota. Um, How do you miscount that badly? Like, you look at... 
I, I, I I'm, I'm trying not to chuckle out loud, and it's not working. I understand well. the PHF is a new league, but they've been around like six or seven years. How do they not have a simple template that gives that you fill out the roster for all the forward and goalie position, forward skater, uh, forward defense and goalie positions, one head at a time, write it in, and not and come up with too many names. Like we're talking like 1950s technology, maybe even earlier. Legit. You have X number of spaces, you write X number of names, and then you read them, and you're done. <laughs> okay, I, I, I actually, I, I get where you're coming from, and yeah, I don't know how you don't have some kind of system. I think the thing that bothers me most about this is sanction is for exceeding the roster limit of 20 by dressing 21 players. So she missed by one. In the November for November fifth game against Minnesota, I think what throws me most is that it's a, in the second the second paragraph or sentence, the league will open a more extensive review process this week to determine any further actions related to this matter. She miscounted. Let it go. You suspended her for a game. <laughs> But the league is going to review and see if there's any other actions to be taken. What? Somebody needs to explain this to me. Yes, I miscounted by one. I'm guilty. I'll sit my one-game suspension. Why are they reviewing it for further actions? Maybe they're going to take her back to first grade and teach her counting one more time. Yeah, my mind hadn't gone that direction, but okay. Maybe they're going to, hey, maybe unlike the, maybe they're going to require the league to actually count the numbers of players on a roster submitted for each game. I really hope it's not further actions against the team or Geraldine. That's, that's correct. Um, Maybe, maybe unlike the NHL, clearly not reviewing whether a player is eligible to play in the league before certifying a contract, they're going to do something. <laughs> well, we were talking about that last night and am I correct in understanding that they actually can't rescind the contract? That would be correct. That that's sort of the whole point of collective bargaining and written contracts that are, you know, signed certified. Yeah. So we're going to pay this kid to sit at home and watch Netflix. RGE. RGE. Excuse me. I'm I'm sorry, but how is how are Neely and Sweeney still running things? Anyway, no. I literally. Well, actually, I do know. They're Mm -hmm. making the playoffs and getting the home playoff games, and the uh, the and ownership does not want to pay extra salaries when they would have to replace them. I mean, at this point, they're probably still paying uh, Cassidy, even though he's now out in Vegas. Because first they renewed him, and then they fired him in a very, very decisive and 
level-headed arrangement of things. Mm-hmm. Um, my my favorite story this week might be the one that you found. Uh huh. Pay attention to the name Thomas Friel. Why? Oh, oh, the freshman. Yes. You were University of Maine freshman. Uh, out of Scotland. Moved to the Ontario area as a kid. Didn't even know what hockey was when he started playing it. Um, has bounced around various uh, Canadian junior leagues. Um, he played for the, uh, let's see, the Ottawa Junior Senators in the Central Canada Hockey League uh, last season. Um, he's 21 years old now, so 2001 birth, playing for Maine, um, elite prospects. Uh, oh, where is it? Prospects has him at 5'11", 181 pounds. That's what it um, has in the article as well, yep. Uh, four, one goal, three assists, zero PIMS uh, through 11 games for, the, for Maine. Um, but what's remarkable about him other than a Scott playing uh, playing Division One hockey in arguably the hot, the toughest division in in college hockey mm-hmm. or even that he's fifth in scoring uh, is his well attitude but he, okay so here's the thing is when I first saw this you have to look at the you have to look at the similarities to the player that I suggested that he reminded me of. Um, plays left wing. He's listed at five foot eleven, one eighty one. The the player I re- I compared him to is five is listed at five nine and one eighty one. Um, the only difference being that he's considered at five eleven, one eighty one, a hard nosed power forward, and the NHL player is not. Power forward, but he is a pest. And the fact that Thomas Friel wants <clears throat> the quote is, I want people to remember me, but for not the right reasons. I like being the guy the other teams don't like playing against or battling with. So who does this remind you of? Hmm. <laughs> it reminds me of a couple of players who I really enjoy watching. Likes to likes to live rent free in other people's heads. Hmm. Brad Marchand does not live rent-free in other people's heads. He collects appearance fees. <laughs> That's a very good possibility, and if this kid gets any better, he could do so as well. Um, there are a lot of guys who want to go and do the dirty work he does. There aren't a lot. There aren't a lot of guys who, the coach said, Ben Barr. The guys rally around him. He goes to the net, takes punishment, kills penalties. He does a little bit of everything. He plays in all situations, including the power play and the penalty kill. The the comparisons continue. <laughs> like, he has earned every second of ice time he has gotten. 
He understands what he is. He's one of those guys that you only have to tell to do something once. He already knows. This now he is 21. He is playing at. We'll call it a second tier division one school. UMaine has not been very successful in the last decade, unfortunately. Um, but if he can actually make it to the NHL, this would be a fun player. I can see him get. I can see him getting one of those uh, signing similar to. There's another guy you mentioned him earlier in the show. And the Bruins signed him as an undrafted rookie free agent. That man would be Noel Achari. And he's turned yeah. it into a pretty successful NHL career. You don't have to be drafted. No, 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 you don't. I mean, Tory Krug wasn't drafted. Uh, the current head coach of the Montreal Canadiens wasn't drafted. So, yeah, I, I understand he's 21. He's an overager. Uh, but uh, he's going to get a look from someone. I mean – if he I, continues, somebody's got to pay attention and give this kid a look. If he's not invited to a couple of NHL uh, development camps over the next two summers, there's scouting multiple scouting departments that just flat out need to be gutted. Certainly, their college uh, certainly their college scouts need to have their heads examined. Um, I mean, you're correct. Unfortunately, the Black Bears are two six and one overall. They're oh three and one in Hockey East. Yeah, they're not a strong team. Not a strong, not a strong team at this point in time. But he's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. Um, he's also got a younger brother, uh, Peter, who uh listed uh he's a december 15th 2005 birth so he won't be eligible for like two or three more drafts but he's already listed at six feet and 165 um so something to watch um the free it might be this could be an interesting thing a really interesting thing to keep track of over the next couple of years well, one of the one of the teams to keep an eye on as far as this kid is obviously if you you know read the article it's it, Ottawa is apparently going to at least have a leg up on this kid because he's played for several Ottawa junior teams including the Ottawa Junior Senators in the Central Canada Hockey League 35 goals 26 assists in 51 games so that's better than a point per he also had three goals and seven assists for 10 points in 10 playoff games not as prestigious as a USHL, but uh, I'm sorry. Competition is competition unless he's 12 years old skating against four-year-olds, you know, Com- and competition is competition. I mean, he's out there playing with those of his ilk. I I think you got to give this kid an, op- an option. And he, like I said, it, the similarities to a certain number 63 here in Boston, just, uh, Offense with offense notwithstanding, he's he he's got the right mindset. He wants to get out there. He wants the other players to to think, oh my God, here comes Thomas Friel again. 
oh my god here comes brad again you know he's got the right idea i I, i'm all for it i get him i definitely want to watch him play um i'm hoping uh i'll take a look at the humane schedule and see when they're coming back uh to teams in the area they just played merrimack college uh in the last couple of nights um hopefully they'll be back down to play like umass lowell or um someplace within driving distance um but yeah i'm a hundred percent uh interested in watching this kid develop somebody somebody has to take the role of center iceman though i'm 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 picturing actually he and i'm picturing let's see brad's five listed at five nine one eighty one Another certain player I'm looking at from a rival team, um, maybe that's one that you were thinking of as well, um, is listed at 5'9 and 184. And then you got Freya listed at 5'11, 181. Can you have three of the same style players on one line? <laughs> yes, the Islanders <laughs> used to call it the identity line. Marshan Gallagher and this kid Freel. <laughs> That would be a lot. It would be a lot to take in for the opposing team. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, I mean, it, it, and sadly enough, yes, it also has the option of turning into nothing. But I wish this kid the best. I, it, like I said, the story just grabbed me. I thought it was great. It, the the headline, you know, I want my I want the opposing team to to, to hate me or or whatever it was, but. <laughs> You mean one ice hockey player wants his opponents to hate him. Now, there's another player we can talk about now who also uh, plays a somewhat surly style um, and who at least has been judged to have crossed the line uh, recently. Matthew Kachuk was suspended two games for high sticking. uh, High sticking Jonathan Quick. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. Um, I looked at the footage. Bad, bad boy. For his first problem is that it, he hit a goaltender. They're always going to They're always going to protect the goaltenders, even though they wear the most padding. Yes, even though full face masks, they're always going to protect the pad. They're always going to protect the goalie. So that's strike one against him. I looked at it. I watched the video. I get why he was suspended. I'm not a hundred percent sold that it was deliberate. That's what I when when I when I saw this when it first happened, I didn't think it was deliberate. Um, I understand you need to be in control of your stick at all times. That is something that it says in the end in the rule book. It doesn't matter if you high stick somebody, you have to have control of your stick. But I will say that I think that your the um, I don't know two games for something incidental is necessarily the best precedent to set. Uh, and we're talking late in the game. This was 1922 of the third period. By that point, you're a little bit tired. 
Um, particularly if you play with the vigor of a Matthew Kachuk. I'm not saying this was wrong and baseless like certain other suspensions that uh, I can think of. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure I like it. I'd be inclined to agree. I, I just, I, like I said, I just, my first thought was they're going to side, unfortunately, they're going to side with, they're going to side with a goaltender in these instances. I don't believe that, I don't believe that the incident was deliberate. But they're going to, two games, I could see one game, I don't know. One of the odd things about one of the odd things about I'm looking at this and if you go back just to the beginning of November, the play office of player safety has been a little bit busy. They are suspending everyone and they're suspending young players right, left and center. Like so just fined five grand on November second for goalie interference. Zegris fined fifteen hundred dollars for slashing Matt Benning. Josh Anderson suspended. Yurev Slavovsky <laughs> suspended. Yes. Uh, Kaprizov fined five k. Um, Nicholas Abu uh, Kubel will have a hearing. Uh, Obey Kubel, yeah. Uh, Pat Maroon and Garnet Hathaway fined. Um, Obey Kubel did end up getting the three game suspension. He had his hearing. Three-game suspension for illegal check to the head. I mean, they just... Trevor Zegris, yes. uh, Casey Zizekas, both find. Ty Delandre, find. Uh, Michael have... Rasmussen was suspended for that ridiculous hit on David Krejci that should never have happened. Um, They've been busy little bees over there, over there at the Office of Player on Safety. The Wheel of Justice has been spun and spun again. In more ways, yeah. And then they stopped it and then spun it again just for good measure. I mean, this is the the list is. It, it's a pretty extensive list. Um, you wanted. You also mentioned uh, the sled hockey classic. There is a yes. There is. It's a tournament. It's gone on since 2010. Started out with four teams. Um, the Sled Hockey Classic is now, it's going to be played in Anaheim, being hosted by Anaheim. 279 Sled Hockey players, 23 teams representing 16 NHL-affiliated clubs. This is happening literally next week, November 17th to the 20th. Uh, it's a big four-day tournament. They have five different divisions. They they have pool play. I mean, it's huge. And because it's sled hockey, it doesn't get a whole lot of, of, of attention. I mean, it is on the NHL website because obviously the NHL is involved in this. Um, the place where they're playing actually has four different rinks. It, the, the location is the Great Park Ice and Five Point Arena. 
they actually it's built around sled hockey. The 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 four rinks are ice are sled accessible. Allows the players to remain in their sled, skate off the ice into the bench area. Which is not I mean, if they play sled hockey at T D Garden, they have to they have to literally sit out in front of the bench area. And they because they can't get up you know, you can't step up into the boards when you're on a sled. It just, I just wanted to bring attention to the fact that this was going on because it doesn't get enough attention. It does, it doesn't get a whole lot of attention unless it's during the Paralympic Games. Nope. The, the sled classic is going to include teams representing Anaheim Ducks, Boston Bruins, Calgary Flames, Hurricanes, Hawks, Avalanche, Oilers, Kings, Wild, Predators, Flyers, Penguins. The Kraken, the Lightning Knights, and the Capitals. Last year, this was hosted in New Jersey, and no mention. Yeah, uh, it's it's something that we should talk about. Uh, I think that everyone deserves some sort of the only thing they can't find is energy, some sort of ability to compete physically. And this is this is a great thing, and it's enjoyable hockey to watch. It's fast paced, it's physical. Um, you should see these guys play when they get going on, when they get going on those sleds, and, and they play they, with no brakes. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's very much true. The one thing that it does not mention, and I have not found any kind of connection to, is there's no. Um, as far as I can tell, there's no television time for this tournament. Which um, I think may be uh, a huge issue. This is the first time it's going to be based on the West Coast. That's the other big news. Apparently, it's always hosted here in the East. But it does not have any any indication that it's getting any TV time. Uh I would hope that um, because possibly, of the end. I think it looks like there's more details on USAHockey.com. I would hope that because of the NHL's connection to ESPN that it might get some time on ESPN Plus, but I have not found anything to that that speaks to that. But this is this is definitely. A, it, it's an enjoyable sport. I've watched sled hockey on TV many times. It, 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 it's uber competitive. They're physical on those sleds. You got goalies on sleds who are kicking out and making say. I mean, it, it's. I enjoy watching it when it's on. It's not easy to find, but I enjoy watching it when it's on. So I just wanted to bring attention to the to the sport. Absolutely. And yes, you can find a little more info on the on USAHockey.com. It's under the disabled section. Uh, not sure how it's going to be broadcast, if at all. Um But if I find out more during the week, I will absolutely tweet about it. Um, I'm assuming 
Yeah. Um, awesome. And let's see, a couple more things we had on the docket for the day. Um, I actually wanted to talk. Uh, we you brought up uh, the cl- uh, Cliffy Hockey uh, a couple of times. This is a Fluid Ocean Zawa, uh, formerly the Boston Globe and Boston.com, writing for The Athletic. I honestly have to take a little bit of offense to his whole premise. Really? That this is a breakout season for Cliffy. Oh, okay. Um, I think Cliffy showed us this last year. And even to some extent the year before. Yes, but this he's, year, this year, Cliffy's getting Cliffy's playing top he's pairing. He's recognized time. for it this year. He's playing top pairing ice time, though. I mean, he, he's up there with he's playing with Lindholm. He was playing with Forbort before Forbort, unfortunately, got injured on the second line. They had Lindholm playing with. Uh, uh, I don't even remember who. Grizz? Grizzly, was it Grizzlick? Grizzlick didn't start the season. Or Carlo? Yeah. Uh, he's averaging 20. And, and and my favorite, one of my favorite parts of this, and, and it's near the time, averaging 21-23 of even strength plus shorthanded ice time per game. 11 right shot defensemen in the league are logging more than him in these combined categories. Those 11 are guys like Carlson, Pareko, Doughty, Larson, Montour, Makar, Savard, Marino, Seth Jones. You take those 11 defensemen, on average, per year, they're earning 6.3, almost $6.4 million. Cliffy makes $1 million. And I've been saying for three, literally three years that Clifton makes excellent outlet passes, like he when he makes those outlet passes, he very, very rarely turns it over. Less often than other players we could name. And I don't think he makes the same mistake twice. The story goes that Cliffy Hockey, or at least the term used to describe the defenseman's approach, was born during his first season in Providence. Jay Leach was Clifton's coach at the time. He loved him. He had four goals, 19 points in 54 games. The odd part was that when the Kraken, when this Kraken expansion draft came up, Jay Leach was working for the Kraken, and they didn't take Connor Clifton. They took Jeremy Lozon. I mean, when you have a style of hockey named after you, Ah, that's Cliffy. That's Cliffy hockey. (laughs) In the first two years of their existence, and I count that as everything from the expansion draft to the end of their first season, what exactly did the Seattle Kraken do right in the hockey sense? Uh, They drafted Matty Beniers. Oh, wait, that was at the end of the season. It was at the beginning of the season, but he played at Michigan. He didn't come to the team until after he was done. Yeah, not a lot. Not a lot. (laughs) I was trying to make an argument for something, but not a lot. I mean, you look at some of these numbers. 
Cliffy was playing with Derek Forbort last season, and and I, I I understand your argument for this because last season during the post during the postseason, five on five he led all team defensemen with 103 minutes of ice time. According to Natural Stat Trick, Bruins allowed 1.75 goals per 60 minutes of play with him on the ice, the lowest rate on the blue line. Yep. No. Lowest rate. Now. As of today, not as of the playoffs last year, not mm-hmm. as of the start of last season, he's played a total of 169 NHL games. Yeah. Most the the longtime standard for how long it takes defense, young defensemen to come into the league and get it is 200 to 400 games. So if we have not seen peak Cliffy hockey yet, um, hockey scouts are going to start invading Long Branch, New Jersey, looking for everyone who might be related to him or sat next to someone on the bus who was uh, for a couple of years because Cliffy has played some really, really impless- impressive hockey it, it, for the last two seasons. And then he's always good for he's always good for a one liner. I mean, obviously, the, the, at the end of the game against Calgary, he was asked about hitting Milan Lucic. What do you say? Just a couple of big guys going at it or something? A couple like of that? big bodies going at it with absolutely deadpan delivery, and it was gorgeous. But he did the same thing when he was asked about his first goal, when he scored his first goal of the season. <clears throat> and he said, yeah, two great A's, right? Just getting my Corsi up. <laughs> I love... Clifton and everything he does in the arena. Like he legitimately is what Boston fans like. I mean, he is right there. Like the nearest player I can think of to him in terms of impact, uh, obviously different styles, different errors, but he reminds me a lot of like PJ Axelson and that raw tenacity that leave everything on the ice, not the biggest guy, not the most offensively skilled, but you know you're getting maximum effort from him every time his his uh, skates get within six inches of the ice. I mean, there, there's some there's some there's something to be said for a guy who he's not a big man. Nope. And when he that that was the whole joke of you know a couple of big men because Milan just outweighed him by like forty five pounds. Yeah, something like that. But you look at this and 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 you got quotes from uh, Clifton's goalie appreciates his in zone. It's not a one man show out there, Linus Olmark said against the after his thirty one save against the against the Flames. We got Chucky back in the lineup. And of course, you have to mention the the Hall of Fame. Cliffy, play, Cliffy playing insane hockey right now. It's just guys pulling their weight. So the goalies notice when the defense are playing really good or playing not so well, or the okay. goaltenders. The goaltenders notice that hit that we're talking about is even more remarkable than I thought it was. Really? Because now remember, Milan Lucic is a beast. Always has been. Yeah. 
Mila Lutz is officially listed at 240 pounds. <laughs> Connor Clifton is listed at 190 pounds. So a more than 25% of Connor Clifton's weight differential between them. And Clifton clearly got the better of that hit. Yes. I would have to agree. Like, you talk about a guy who's using his body effectively. That's the definition. This is... We or before we start hit the record button, you had an article up, and we were talking about uh, the players responding to Monty and liking playing for him. Ah, uh, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. There's a reason for it. There's two very big reasons for it. The players know what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. and the players are being played to their their maximum the maximum of their abilities not the abilities that the coach wishes they had and when you're being played in a system that you understand you know what you're not supposed to do and you're not punished for things outside your control well the thing that the thing that I liked about that uh, about that story. It was an ESPN story written by um, Karen, uh, Kristen Chilton, excuse me. I want to get her name right. Uh, listed on ESPN. It was actually right after the whole power ranking story that. Yep. And just reading it, it keys to the Bruins being and yes, I'm sorry to make the show Bruins heavy and I, I happen to be searching a little bit but the one thing that I've noticed reading the the Mont, the Jim Montgomery portion of it, because the story is five things that, five keys to the Bruins better than expected start and I just focused on the Montgomery portion of it, but the one thing that is common throughout this entire section is process system. Yeah. Like the whole thing is people talking about not just the players, but observers of the team talking about direction, system, process, style, Pasternak. He's a very positive person, very smart. He has great points about hockey and the style that he wants us to play. Bellino, he understands what we are going to have success with. Being heavy down low, wearing out the goal line, and, and how that's conducive to a lot of guys in the room. They're not speed and quick. Yeah, they have a couple of players who can. You do have DeBrusque and everything else, but that's not your bread and butter. No, and this is recognize. a... But he recognizes that. The messaging alone plays into a lot of guys' hands. Guys are more comfortable. Reads you can make down low. You don't get burned as many times if, it's still, if it doesn't work out. Absolutely. Um, and this is everything that we did not hear for the entire Cassidy rank. 
did not hear this stuff about Cassidy. Everyone liked Bruce Cassidy as a person. Yes. But I still cannot identify what Bruce Cassidy's system is. Is is having is the lack of a system by definition a system? Theoretically, yes, but it requires you having the players to carry you okay. and not screwing it up in key moments like he did in the cup final against St. Louis. I mean, the interesting thing was when when they got rid of Cassidy and, and I heard it from commentators on the NHL network, I heard it from commentators on radio and on Sirius XM where they they were baffled at the fact that he was that Cassidy was released so soon after the season, and it didn't make sense because they you know he's made the playoffs every year. The one time, it, the one time that I actually buy what Sweeney was selling, because he justified Cassidy's departure as the team needing a new direction and a new messaging and voice, uh, and new messaging and voice was going to be required. But this is also the Sweeney who was defending him and wanted to and extended him just a couple of weeks before. So are we talking somebody actually whispered in Sweeney's ear and said, uh, I don't think it was a whisper. (laughs) Okay, I was being nice. Because you bring in Jim Montgomery and lo and behold, new direction, new messaging, new voice, new system style you've got and i mean it, it all the things like you said that we didn't hear when cassidy was in charge nope and and clearly something is working because cassidy was hired three days later by vegas and lo and behold vegas and boston are the top two teams in the nhl and so, vegas has a ridiculous amount of talent even without their number one goaltender. Well, and, and we, Logan Thompson's rookie of the year at this point. So, And yes, Logan Thompson is, is playing just ridiculous hockey. Yeah. But if you gave him a mediocre team, and I'm going to use the example, even though I don't necessarily think they're, Below league average. Yeah. I'm going to use the example of the New Jersey Devils. The New Jersey Devils clearly do not have a strong defensive defense uh, um, for that team. Their goaltending is not great. They're at the top of their, they're at the top of the heap uh, for their division right now because their forwards and their offense as a, as an overall team is pretty has been really good for them if you put him on if you put Cassidy on that team they would not be as high in the standings that team does not have a natural balance like Vegas and like Boston I'd be inclined to agree you look at their goaltending in in New Jersey and their best goaltender is the one that they acquired Vitek Vanacek Blackwood is still not and 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 I'm kind of I'm kind of saddened by it because yes I really I, I I really was and still kind of am a Blackwood fan I would like to see him 
do better. I would like to see what he'd be like on a team such as Bruins, Nashville, put him in front of a defense that's stout. Useful. Uh, but Vanacek, their number one, he's their number one as far as stats go, and yet he's only got a 909 save percentage. Yeah. 2.33 goals against. It's not so goaltending is not what's dragging New Jersey kicking and screaming to the top of the list. And yeah, I don't think that I don't think that team is as successful if you have somebody such as a Cassidy behind the bench who doesn't have that focus. I think that Cassidy needs a team that is already well positioned. Yeah. Cuz that's what he took over in Boston. You come in after Claude Julian system style you know there was a system in place there was a style in place so a a team that's already well positioned he took over the bruins okay not a surprise that he was successful you go into vegas and you've got a team that's already well positioned you've got all that talent you've got strong goals and they're healthy you you've got a Petran, you've got Petrangelo, you've got Jay Theodore, you've got uh, White Cloud, who by the way I still I love Zach White Cloud. Oh, you've got Eichel, Stone, Carlson, Marsha, so Riley. Uh, the, 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 the last three misfits. You got the uh, last three misfits still there. It, like you've got a really strong oh, yeah. forward roster. I mean, you have a. I'm gonna say it. You have a you have a forward group, just, and I'm only talking about the forward group. You have a forward group that should take you no no lower than winning in the second round. Agreed. You've got everything you need if you're healthy when you hit the playoffs. You've got like. I I don't want to play Vegas in the playoffs. I certainly don't want to play them in the first round. Well, the only way you're going to play them is in Stanley Cup. But yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> uh, and their yeah their defense. Yep, I'll take that defense. Petrangelo, Martinez, Theodore McNabb, White Cloud, Haig. I love White Cloud. Sign me up. Sign me up. Um, I don't, but I think you could have taken many coaches and put them behind that bench and had them in the top two in the Western Conference right now because their number two goaltender who's played six games, um, Aiden Hill, has a 920 save percentage, which is incidentally the best of his career. Now, admittedly, he's never played more than 19 games in a season, um, and that was a nine. Uh, and that that season, he had a 9.13. Um, Can I interject real quick here? Go ahead. Because you no 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 you made the statement before, and I I reluctantly agree with it because I think that it, it requires both. But you've made the statement that goals against average is a team stat. Yep. I've seen if you look at New Jersey, for example, Banachek had a 2.33 goals against. Mackenzie Blackwoods was quite different. 
Logan Thompson has a 2.31 goals against average. When Aiden Hill comes in, he's got a 2.32 goals against average. So they are playing the same in front of both goaltenders. Yeah. I mean, New Jersey overall has a 2.53 goals against average on the season. That's nothing to be laughed at. Uh, I mean, by comparison, the Golden Knights are at 231. Boston's at 220. Um, the LA Kings, who are the next highest overall in the standings, have a 335. Um, the next lowest one in the top, uh, near the top of the standings, is uh, the New York Islanders at 256. The the Devils, if the Devils stay healthy, mm-hmm. they're taking a playoff spot. They might not win the division, but they're taking a playoff spot because okay. the only the only way to break this team is to trade people you shouldn't be trading. I mean, they've got a great goals for 367. Yeah. A great goals against at 253. Two and a half goals a game. Yeah, that's pretty good. They're winning 54, almost 55% of their face-offs. Their PK isn't great. Their power play isn't great. But you know what? It's a silly young team over, or the core is silly young. <coughs> they get in and they win three games in the playoffs. That's, they're, ahead, they're still ahead of schedule for that, for that team. I mean, yeah. Jack Hughes... Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt. The oldest of those three is 24. Um, you've got uh, Yegor uh, Sharangovich. Yegor Sharangovich, yes. Michael McLeod, both 24. Scored his first goal in the NHL against the Bruins. Holtz, Mercer, <coughs> and Boquist, 20, 21, and 24. Their defense is a little older, but you got Hamilton at 29, not ridiculously old. John Marino, the guy who used to be on the uh, Penguins and arguably was the Penguins' best defensive defenseman. He's a (laughs) decrepit 25 years old. Um, Yeah. Damon Severson, not necessarily in love with him, 28. Ryan Graves, 27. Uh, Jonas Siegenthaler, 25. Yeah, this is a team that's going to stick around for a couple of years. On the um, subtraction, they managed to unload that. And don't forget, right now, Andre Pilat is injured. When he comes back, you're getting all of that playoff experience and in a Swiss Army knife uh, injected back into your roster. This is another team you don't want to see in that first round of playoffs. Like, I legit feel bad for whoever comes in and plays them, even though I'm not a big Lindy Ruff fan. I mean, they are still paying $9 million to Dougie Hamilton. They did, they did manage to shed Pavel Zaka. Yay. <laughs> I thought that would make you happy. You are paying Dougie Hamilton a lot of money, but 
Yeah, I, Tom. I mean, there, there's some there's some wood on here, and I'm not going to call it dead wood, but there's some wood on here that you could conceivably move. Like uh, if you lost Thomas Tatar, got 11 points. I mean, he's not hurting the team. 11 points in 15 games, but not getting younger. So yeah, there's a couple of things they could do on it, but this team is well put together. I mean, Fitzgerald in in a couple of years has Transformed? Yeah. I mean, they they will shed some dead cap money uh, on uh, into or the season after ne- at the end of next season uh, mm-hmm. when both Corey Schneider and Jan Kukanen, whose name I've literally never seen before, uh, come off the books. And that'll give them another three or two point three million in cap space, which they're gonna need. Um, because Jesper Bratt, RFA, the end of this year, um, Tatar Wood and Halla UFAs, uh Sharon Govich, McLeod, R- oh, yeah, uh, RFAs. Okay. Added Nathan Bastion and Fabian Zetterland. Um, and that's one, two, that's five RFA forwards with arbitration rights uh, this summer. Yeah, um, I believe that Mr. Fitzgerald is going to be a busy man. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying that the job is going to the, the job's going to get easier for him, but nope, nope, nope. What, um, he's, what he's done so far, he's done. And you, you, I can't really complain about what the job he's done so far. So Got no. Uh, anything else that we wanted to cover? I think we covered everything. Amazing. So, ladies, gentlemen, hockey fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, colors, and, uh, even fandoms will allow the people who are fans of the wrong teams. Um. (laughs) We accept everybody. (laughs) Sled Hockey Tournament, PHF, watch, enjoy. Uh, get back to us. Let us know what you think of t- on Twitter of the various games. I'm sure I'll have a new poll or two up at some point this week. Just not today. <clears throat> have a great, great week. Wait, wait, wait. Congratulations to Jakob Zaboral, or as he likes to call himself now, Jacob Zaboral, scored the first goal of his NHL career last night against the Buffalo Sabres. Hoorah. And Patrice Bergeron added to himself. Take care. <laughs>